Ladies, it's wonderful to gather together once again. And now we are on lesson three in our revealed study called the Refiner's Fire. Let's pray and then we'll jump into our lesson for today. Our Holy God, our Heavenly Father, I just ask for your presence and for your spirit to be at work in our hearts. Lord, teach us, reveal yourself to us. Help us to know you more and trust you more and love you more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When my children were little, I always used to tell them that they could look in the sky every day and see a new painting, a new piece of God's artwork spread out across the whole sky just for them to see. And I was reminded of that just this past weekend when I flew down to Florida to visit my son and daughter-in-law and I was on the plane looking out the window much of my flight and watching the scene as we flew up through the clouds and above the clouds so we could see the, the beautiful expanse of blue sky and all the white fluffy cumulus clouds that were just, they were such a bright white and it was just a glorious sight. And as I was soaking this up and even trying to take some pictures <laughs> through my plane window, I realized that much of the people on the plane were just missing out on this beautiful sight. They were on their phones. They were, the guy next to me was playing a game on his phone. They were watching movies or doing work. And I realized that so much of the time I miss out on catching glimpses of God's glory and of the wonders that he puts right in our path. And I'm reminded as we look at this lesson today that I'm guilty too often of losing sight of the wonder of God's mercy that's been poured out on us through Jesus. As we dig into chapter 1 once again in Isaiah, let's review where we've, what we've learned so far. We've seen that Isaiah is confronting God's people with their sin. They are rebellious children who've rejected the leadership and care of their loving Heavenly Father. They are sinful through and through, sick with their sin going through rituals, bringing their offerings in vain because in their daily lives, they're mistreating other people and neglecting to care for the hurting ones in their own community. They come with blood on their hands. And yet the Lord is willing to wash them clean, to wash them white as snow, if they are willing and obedient. And at as believers who are reading through this Isaiah passage, we realize that those who have trusted in Jesus have their sins washed white as snow, and we've been welcomed by the Father who lavishes us with great love and mercy. So today, in this lesson on the refiner's fire, we begin in Isaiah chapter 1, in verse 21 that goes like this, how the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companies of thieves. 
Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. Here we continue to see the corruption of sin. Sin takes its toll on people. It corrupts people's hearts, and that corruption spills out onto everyone around them. And here, goodness gracious, the Lord calls his, whole, his faithful city a whore. I hate that word. It's, it's awful to think of. And yet, the Lord had made a covenant with Israel, and that covenant was like a marriage covenant. He was the faithful husband, and his people were unfaithful to him. They first continually were forsaking him, turning from him to worship other gods. And so the faithful city, which represents God's people as a whole, that had been full of justice and righteousness is now called the unfaithful city. Justice is defined as treating all people well, providing protection and care for the weak and vulnerable, taking up their cause fighting for them against those who mistreat them. And whenever we see the word justice, we always have to be mindful that the emphasis is on taking action. So we're often called to do justice. And then righteousness speaks of right relationship. It begins with right relationship with God. And then, in turn, it's putting right all the relationships in our lives. It's being fair and generous to all people as you go throughout your daily life. And so, God's people who were called to do justice and to live in righteousness, they are now the unfaithful ones. There is no silver left in them, just dross, just the scum that rises to the surface in the refining process. They are also described as like good wine that's been watered down, they've been ruined. Their unfaithfulness to the Lord is revealed by their mistreatment of others, their pride, their selfishness. They're not thinking of others, just themselves. And they have elevated themselves over others in their community. And they're neglecting to care for the little ones, the orphaned ones who are all alone. And the cause of the widows, the elderly ones who are also left all alone and who are in such need of kindness and protection and care, their cause doesn't even come to them because they are too wrapped up in their own little world. So it's as if they, were, they are blind to the weak and vulnerable in their midst. They're deaf to the cries of the hurting that are right just surrounding them. Their hearts are hard. And I think this somehow echoes the idea that we saw in our lesson last week, that God would not look on his people or listen to their prayers. It's because they are not looking <laughs> and listening either. Last week in our lesson, we looked at Isaiah 1, um, 16 and 17, where the Lord challenges and commands his people to cease to do evil, to learn to do good, to seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. Jeremiah also would give um, this command. In Jeremiah 5:28, he says that God's own people have grown fat and sleek. 
They know no bounds in deeds of evil. They judge not with justice. The cause of the fatherless to make it prosper, and they do not defend the rights of the needy. So God's own people have forsaken their covenant God. They are corrupt and greedy. They don't love the Lord and they don't love others. Rather than knowing their loving, faithful God and living with him at the center of all that they do and say, at the center of their lives, they put themselves there. They are self-centered and their sin is not only wounding them, but it's wounding everyone around them. So here Isaiah is saying, God's heart is breaking over their sin and the mess that they've made. And Isaiah warns them. He says, judgment is coming. And once again, ladies, let's be reminded not to point the finger, our finger, at the people of Judah, but let's turn that finger right back at ourselves. May Isaiah's words of warning convict us of our selfishness and pride and greed and neglecting to see and care for those who are hurting. So the corruption of sin. Then Isaiah goes on to proclaim the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, as a powerful and just judge. He is the Lord who brings just judgment. He knows those who have taken refuge in him, and he knows those who have rejected him. For those that do repent, the repentant that do come to the Lord, they will receive the refining fire. So ladies, we must keep looking to our holy God who does bring consequences for sin. And here we must be reminded that in everyone's life, at some point you come to a crossroads and you have to make a choice. There's one path that leads to life and the other that leads to, de to death. And the Lord's judgment comes and it reveals who people are. Either ones who are repentant and willing and obedient or those that refuse him, forsake him and rebel against him. But the refining fire is for the, those that do come to him in repentance, those that choose to take refuge in him. The refiner's fire is like a fire that's in a fireplace or, or a big furnace. It's a fire that's closed and closed and tended. The refiner puts a, the crucible of silver and alloy into the fire and he watches over it carefully. When the refiner can see his reflection, he knows that the silver is purified. Let's read on in chapter 1, beginning with verse 24. Therefore the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all your alloy, and I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice, and those in her who repent by righteousness. The Lord's own people 
have become his enemies. And he says that he is going to lift his hand against them. And yet what will he do? Shockingly, he is not going to wipe them out, but he is going to purify them. Notice throughout these verses, all of the I will statements and the you shall phrases that we see. This is the Lord's doing. It's the Lord's work. He alone can purify his people. And amazingly, he's willing to do so for those that turn to him. The refining fire removes the dross, removes the impurities, the scum, the slag. And isn't it amazing? God is willing to purify his own, to refine them just like gold or silver. The refining fire here, the judgment here, is going to be the exile for God's people. The exile will weed out those that are not truly God's own. But the repentant remnant will continue to cling to the Lord in the midst of being taken captive and taken out of their land and brought into exile. They will continue to trust in the Lord and wait for them to be able to be returned to the land and be restored. The Lord does the work of purging and purifying, restoring and redeeming his own. And lo and behold, the unfaithful city will be called the faithful city. So the refining fire is mercy poured out on his people, and it's their only hope. In our lesson this week, we looked in a New Testament passage from 1 Peter chapter 1. Here, Peter is addressing Christians who are undergoing persecution for following Jesus. They are experiencing social alienation, financial struggles, and ridicule. Peter encourages these members of the early church to remain faithful and to persevere through whatever trials they may face, to persevere through the refining fire. And he says, 1 Peter 1, verses 6 to 9, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls." So here we see Peter telling us that the refining fire is a test of faith. Is your faith genuine? Will it remain when life gets hard, when you feel like you're in the refining fire, when you feel like you're in exile? So whenever we experience trials in this life, it's a test of our faith and our love. The Lord says, Will you continue to trust me even when things don't go as you'd plan? And do you love me above all else? Notice in this passage the phrase, a little while. This speaks of our time here on earth. It is a little while. It's brief in comparison to being with the Lord forever. 
So, ladies, this reminds us that we shouldn't expect to have a break from the refining fire. We shouldn't expect to have a season where we've gotten through the fire and we're out on the other side. That won't come until we see the Lord face to face and we get to be with him forever. I don't know about you, but there are times when I think I just want to have a break from the testing of my faith. I want life to be easy, yet through these passages, we're reminded that the refining fire is a gift. It's when sins that have become hardened into our hearts can rise to the surface and be burned away. It's when the Holy Spirit can say, oh honey, look at this. This sin in your life is breaking God's heart. It's wounding you and those around you. I want to purge it and take it away. I want to help you to walk in a new way that reflects the heart of your loving Heavenly Father. So the Lord has been convicting me <laughs> of sin, sins that I cling to. Control, comfort, selfishness, just wanting to be liked. <laughs> Impatience, judging others, the list goes on and on. Whatever trials you may be facing today, my dear friends, may this be a time where the Lord can refine you and purify you and remove any sin that you're struggling with so that you can more beautifully reflect God's heart in this world. May your faith in Jesus be strengthened through this trial. And may the trial, may this time, deepen your love for him and purge away any other competing loves. So the gift of the refining fire for the repentant. Now, in my preparation for teaching, I kind of wanted to quit there. Yet we have to go to the end of our passage and think of the consuming fire that comes to those who are rebellious. Right now in the western states of our country, we're seeing how fires are raging and bringing destruction to so many areas. And they're consuming everything in their path. It's heartbreaking. And I, I'm also, at the same time as I think of being rebellious, I think of the lesson that we looked at, the parable of the two lost sons, and seeing how rebellion can take different forms. It can, it can be kind of wild and brazen and really obvious, like the younger son, who so selfishly asked for his inheritance and then left to go and live just as he pleased. And yet, we also see the rebellion of the older son, whose it was a little quieter. His heart was bitter and hard, and he rejected his father's invitation, rejected his father's love. We all struggle with a rebellious nature. We all battle with forsaking the Lord and turning to other things for comfort. And sometimes we act like two-year-olds digging in our heels and just telling him no. 
So may the Lord um, search our hearts today as we continue to read through this passage. Isaiah 1, 28 to 31. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together, and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desired, and you shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers and like a garden without water. And the strong shall become tinder, and his work a spark, and both of them shall burn together with none to quench them. The consuming fire is one that brings something to an end. And I think of the Lord, through Moses, warning his people in Deuteronomy 6, as they were going to enter the promised land, he commands them to, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their might. And then in Deuteronomy 6, verses 13 to 15, he says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. This warning of judgment still echoes to God's people and the world. In Isaiah, he warns the people as he looks um, to the end of time, in Isaiah 65, 2 and 3, I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in garden and making offerings on bricks. God's own people mocked him by bringing sacrifices to the Lord at the temple and then turning around and bringing offerings to other God. And all the days of the week, when they weren't there for worship, <laughs> they lived as they pleased. Their daily lives didn't reflect the heart of the living God who loved them and was faithful to them. Their words and deeds looked just like those in the nations around them. Now you might say, today we don't go to temples and make offerings to idols. Yet, anytime we take refuge in anyone or anything other than the true God, then we do. Anytime we turn to other things for joy and security and peace, this is forsaking God. This is idolatry. At the very end of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah concludes his ministry with these words, saying, not only will the Lord create a new heavens and a new earth, but he will judge wickedness. And he depicts the view of the dump outside of Jerusalem in Isaiah 66, verse 24. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worms shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. So the rebellious will come to an end in the fire of God's judgment. And it is my prayer today that we may have the heart of Jesus and be ones who seek out and long for him to save all who are lost, all who are rebelling against him. And so I'll conclude with the warnings and reminder that, reminders that Isaiah's words bring to us today. God desires our unqualified allegiance and trust. 
He wants to be our first and only love. In Isaiah 1, God's people are described as repentant, confessing and turning away from sin, and as those who are new covenant people. The repentant are ones who have taken refuge in Jesus as Savior. God's people are willing, ones who are praying continually, Lord, not what I will, but what you will. Lord, have your way in me and through me. And obedient, not just to offering empty rituals, but walking in, in his ways of justice and righteousness, seeing and caring for all people, especially those who are hurting, living in right relationship with God and, and in right relationship with others. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm very troubled by today's passage. I see myself in these sins that are called out here and see how that sin breaks God's heart and hurts others around me. I see that I am one who is deserving of the consuming fire of God's wrath. And yet, as that view from the plane reminded me, some days I'm just blind to the wonder, the greatest wonder of all that Jesus, out of love, took the consuming fire that I deserved on the cross. God's wrath was poured out on him for my sin and for the sins of the world. So believers don't have to come to an end in the fire of God's judgment. And I think of Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 in the uh, New International Version. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. May we not lose sight of the wonder of the refining fire, of the wonder of Jesus bearing the burden of the consuming fire that we deserved on our behalf. May we live in wonder moment by moment in the gift of God's mercy that heals us and refines us. His Holy Spirit and his mercy then inspire us to continue on a path in, in repentance and seeking to give him our will and to accept his, to persevere in walking in his ways. And when the fire seems really hot, seeing that as, as a time when our faith can grow and our love for him can become stronger and deeper. And so I say today, oh ladies, let us thank the Lord for his refining fire. Amen.